Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. That's the ultimate goal, right? Is to feel that comfort level around food so you don't feel stressed when you're around food. Hi, thank you so much for tuning in today. Who you just heard is Elizabeth Dahl. She is one of our experts today on the show, and she will be joined by Amber Brzezicki. They'll be both talking about our topic today, food, how to use it, not abuse it, and sharing some areas of their own expertise in this realm. This is a continuation of a series that I've been doing on various topics, but we did part one on our relationship with food last month. If you are interested in listening to that one, please refer to it on my website. It's aboutprogress.com, and I've also linked to that particular episode in my show notes for you. That particular episode was devoted more to how to recognize when you do have an unhealthy relationship with food and what you can begin to do about it. This episode is more about specific ways, some methods you can use and things you can follow to regain a healthy relationship with food. We will be talking about intuitive eating, which is a huge thing for me and my own recovery from eating disorders and something I still have to work on every day 11 years later. So it's a, definitely is a process and Elizabeth Dahl is our expert on that. And Amber Brzezicki is here to talk about flexible dieting. In other words, macro, counting your macros. And she shares it in a way that I think you can see her end goal as a macro coach is to get people towards that intuitive eating. I'm going to share more about why I think she had an important view to have on the show a little bit later. But first, we're going to focus on intuitive eating. Before I get to all of that, let me give a proper introduction to these ladies who were so kind to be on the show. Elizabeth Dahl is an exercise physiologist and wellness coach. You can find her on Instagram at Elizabeth underscore Dahl, D-A-L-L, and her website is Elizabeth Dahl, again, D-A-L-L dot com for more resources and to contact her for help in this department. And then Amber Brzezicki. Amber is an amazing fitness instructor. She actually teaches you about fitness and how to gain different skills and also macro coach. She's certified in so many things. You can find her on Instagram at biceps period after period babies on Facebook at biceps after babies and her new website bicepsafterbabies.com. I have to apologize to Amber. She has been on the show in her own individual interview, and I've linked to that in the show notes for you as well. And I've referred to her several times in other episodes, but I slaughtered her last name so many times. And when I finally got her on this uh, call again for this interview, I had her walk me through her name, and I'm, I'm just mortified that I said her name wrong so many times. And that's how you know I am still a total amateur at this. And she was such a class act about it. So Amber Brzezicki, I finally got it. Well, let's turn to what we're going to be talking about first, intuitive eating. I wonder if there's a lot of you who are familiar with this philosophy. 
I first learned about it um, when I was in the throes of my own eating disorders in college, and it was almost by accident. I was taking a dance class, just like a casual dance class, and I noticed one of the girls had this book underneath her seat um, where all our stuff was on the side from where we were dancing, and it was called intuitive eating, and that kind of piqued my curiosity. Um, But I wasn't at the point yet where I was seeking um, help or treatment, but it was something that kind of uh, stood out in my mind and um, it came into play very much in the future for me and in the near future. I think it was another year, maybe year and a half uh, before I bought that book myself. It was recommended as part of my treatment. Um, let me just read to you what the cover of this book says. First, it's written by Evelyn Tribble and Elise Wretch. Resh, which I'm sure I've also slaughtered their names, um, but it says, make peace with food, free yourself from chronic dieting forever, rediscover the pleasures of eating. It almost sounds a little bit like another diet. It totally, totally, totally isn't. It's a complete transformation of how we view food. And I actually like it because it's about enjoying your food and enjoying eating again, taking the stress away. Last month's uh, part one of this series, we really talked about the end product of all of this is to be released from guilt, from fear, from anxiety, and obsession with food. That's what we hope to get out of this from the people we talk to and from the methods that we are trying to equip you with as tools. That's what this book can totally help you do. And it's a method, actually. There are many coaches out there who can help you as you navigate the process of getting into intuitive eating, and Elizabeth Dahl is one of those, I actually would recommend having a coach. When I started trying to practice intuitive eating, it became another thing for me, kind of another way for me to be a little too black and white. And I've read the book probably four or five times, and each time it still has acted a little bit as a trigger, partly because of the time of my life where I first read it, and it takes me right back to that and those anxieties, but also because of this black and white thinking that has been hardwired in my brain. So I think a coach would have actually been incredibly helpful in helping me navigate that and see the errors of some of my thinking and and my behaviors too, even within the practice of intuitive eating. Hunger um, was definitely still something that I have feared uh, for 11 years, I mean, it's it's been something that hasn't been my friend. It's something I don't like and I and I fear. So I, I've been working a lot on that. I, I still made progress every single year. But I if you are in the throes of an eating of eating disorders or obsession with food, anxiety about it, worries about it, or just a lack of knowledge of health and nutrition, I definitely would recommend first reading that book. And then if it's something that you want to start attempting and maybe you're struggling, I would get a coach. I'm going to now be sharing some excerpts from the interview I did with Elizabeth. Hers is divided into smaller segments because I used uh, a few of the things we talked about last month with her. Um, and she's going to explain how what intuitive eating is, how it looks in someone's life, and what people can do to start incorporating this method and how they view their food and leading to more freedom and enjoyment with it. So let's first start with what she says is intuitive eating. So what intuitive eating is, is it teaches you how to eat for your body, basically. So 
we go throughout our days and our lives and we don't really always listen to our bodies. Um, and sometimes we put off hunger and we don't eat when we are actually hungry. And then all of a sudden we realize we don't know what hunger feels like to us. Or maybe we overeat in a meal and we don't realize when to stop. We haven't learned that. And so that's what intuitive eating is, is it teaches your your kind of your brain and your body to, to connect with each other when it comes to food. So you recognize when you're hungry, what it feels like to you, because everybody's different in how they feel hunger, mm-hmm. um, and then listening to it, learning what to do based on that feedback that you're getting from your body. I shared with Elizabeth how that feedback has been something that has still been really fear led by me. And I asked her how people can move away from being afraid of hunger into more of an intuitive eating practice, how they can recognize hunger and recognize the eating patterns and relationships they have. And she gave us some steps on how to start doing that. And, you know, I'm thinking about how a lot of times people who do have a complicated relationship with food, hunger in general is something that they are afraid of too. You know, it's a, it's a feeling that can be shame ridden for some reason. It's something that they don't um, like. They try to push aside. They try to ignore um, instead of embrace. And so intuitive eating to me seems like embracing what hunger looks and feels like and being accepting of those feelings and responding to them in a way that meets them appropriately. And you are a wellness coach, Elizabeth. So you help people do this all the time. What do you do to help someone move towards more intuitive eating? Yeah, well, I have three steps that I kind of try to start people off on. And the first thing is to recognize it. So a lot of times we don't know, or we may not realize that we're ignoring our hunger, or we just, we think it's normal or something like that. And so the first step is you really have to recognize some of those eating patterns that are off or some of those situations where you feel um, struggling with food or whatever it is. And then the second step is to just make one simple change at a time. Sometimes when we try to go for diets or, you know, change our nutrition, we tend to want to change it all overnight, you know, and yes. and overhaul the whole diet. And then we get really frustrated and we don't feel comfortable. Kind of back to your last point, you know, it's, it's learning to feel comfortable around food and knowing that you have the control over it and it doesn't have the control over you. So mm-hmm. I tell people, make that one simple change like, you know, Make sure that you um, have a healthy snack available if you need it or have talk to somebody about saying, hey, next time I'm at an event, can you maybe come get me and, and talk to me so that I don't feel like I'm by the food or, or just like one simple change that you can make and all those little changes add up. And that's the third step is that you are going to learn from it and you're going to have to repeat it. Um, you're going to have to mess up and then figure out, hey, what went wrong with that? Okay, next time I'm going to try this. And so those are kind of the three steps that I teach people in a nutshell. That's Those are big three steps, but yeah, um, yeah. in a nutshell, those are kind of the three steps to help heal that relationship with food. Aren't those great tips? And what I like about it is when you are launching into this new way of looking and eating, uh, you have to do it from kind of an investigative point of view, almost scientific 
to take the emotions out of it is really hard to do. It takes a lot of mental energy. It takes a lot of time. That's what we kind of get into next. And I'm sure it takes a great deal of time for most people. It's not something that's an easy fix. So what do you do when a client is frustrated with their progress or all they can seem to see about themselves is that they are, you know, failing or messing up or doing a lot of binging because they're not used to having certain foods around or they're doing a lot of restricting because they're afraid to even start. Yeah. One of the things they actually talk about in the intuitive eating book is learning that nutrition and food and lifestyle is is gray. It's not black or white thinking mm-hmm. like we think where it's, okay, I have to be perfect in this area. And if I'm not, then I might as well eat 10 more cookies because I already ate one. And so teaching b- before we do anything, really, the best thing to do is learn that Our relationship with food is never going to be that black and white. Even if you have a great relationship, you're always going to have those dips and, you know, those roller coaster moments. And so getting people to understand that I think helps, helps with the fear, right? So it helps them um, not feel afraid to mess up and not feel afraid to fail, but recognize that that failure in a sense is not really a failure. It's an opportunity to learn to say, you know what? I had that moment and it was bad. I need to go talk to my coach or my friend or whatever and, and, and learn from it. And next time I'll try a different approach and that's okay. And I'm not mad at myself. And there's a, there's a lot of self-compassion in there too. Mm -hmm. That acceptance of the gray, I think is so key to learning how to really get to this intuitive eating. That's why I struggled with intuitive eating for so long because I still was in a black and white space like I had mentioned. So when I ate out of emotion or anxiety, I felt like a failure because I wasn't doing it based off of hunger or they have a hunger scale that you work off of. And it was really hard for me to calibrate that at first because I had detached myself so much from um, my body's signals. And then when I was working on that, it still was another black and white thing for me. Well, I'm only supposed to eat when I'm feeling between the, this number and this number. Um, and stopping eating was very hard for me too, because for so many years when I was at the end of my meal, that was going to be it for a long time. Um, and a lot of times it was, but you know, eventually that moved into binging and then, um, a whole other cycle of shame there with purging through exercise or restriction again. So I had a lot of patterns I had to work through and I just have to attest to what Elizabeth is teaching here. It does take time. It takes a lot of self-compassion and it takes a lot of gray and embracing that gray and working on your mind and, and seeing where where these deep rooted things are in your mind that are inhibiting this positive relationship with food. And I'd also encourage people to think about what is the end goal? How do you want to spend your lifetime viewing food? Do you always want it to be the devil or a source of angst or obsession? I don't. And I didn't 11 years ago. And I think knowing that about myself, that this is not how I wanted to live the rest of my life, that it wasn't healthy to me. And if other people thought it was healthy to be obsessed with food like that, I didn't want it to be healthy for me. So 
thinking about my end goal, that I want to eventually be to the place where food is neutralized in my mind, that it's something I enjoy, that it's something I don't obsess about, that when I'm done eating, I feel satisfied and ready to move on with my day instead of worrying about what I can eat next and when. That's what I wanted to move towards. Again, it's been 11 years of me working on this. I have had big ups and big downs. I feel like I'm starting, not starting, but it feels like now it's becoming more instinctive. There will be the time where it feels more natural, where the stress is is, is much lessened. And when you do make those quote unquote mistakes with it or mess up with it or eat out of emotion, which I still often do, or mindlessness or out of anxiousness or still feeling fear about hunger or even different types of foods still, it's I'm not obsessed with those feelings either. Um, And I hope that you can get to that point. In a podcast interview I did with Brianna Johnson from the Life Beats Project, we talked a lot about how to neutralize food. And they talk about this in intuitive eating as well. So let's say that there is a certain type of food that in your mind is something that you are really obsessed by or fearful of. Uh, They use an example in the book of this client that they had who had this thing about cakes that people brought to work, those big sheet cakes from the store, and how she could never seem to have control around them, or that she would say no, 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 no in her mind, and and be really good sometimes and not eat it, and then other times she would eat it and eat like a, a half of sheet of a cake. And it was just a really bad relationship she had with a certain type of food. And the way they helped her work on that was to say, well, it's time to eat it, and it's time to eat it often and until you get used to it being a part of your life, until you get used to how to read real signals of your body from it and also your emotional signals with it and how you're really enjoying it. So this woman took on the challenge and she had this sheet cake and when she finally sat down and tried that piece of cake and really analyzed what it tasted like, what it felt like, the emotion she was feeling and her responses to it, she realized she actually didn't like that cake, like at all. Like she actually thought, this is kind of disgusting. I would much rather eat this. And realizing that was very transformational for her because then it helped her realize, well, what else is on my list that I can now neutralize? Um, And again, that will take time as well. But that's the thing that I've learned. Ice cream used to be a huge thing for me. It used to be something I was really fearful of. And it's one of my favorite things to eat. So I didn't have that same experience as this lady. But now I almost always have it in my house. And I don't think about it all day, like at all. I don't think about it. I have it often. I really do. I could have it stand to have it a little less or maybe a little bit less of quantity, but I don't obsess over it being in my house or worry about it. There is no food in my mind now that I'm not allowed to have in my home. That doesn't mean I eat it all day though. And that's a big part of intuitive eating is now I will eat that ice cream and sometimes it's because I've had a long day and it's emotion, but I, but I am knowledgeable of that and I know how much I can take that I'll still enjoy instead of stuff down my emotions, but can still kind of help me work through them. Um, but not as a way to punish myself or to avoid the emotions I'm going through. 
Um, and it's been that way with, let's see, like what else is on my list? Cookies, chocolate, licorice, even different candy. Like most candy is not tempting to me at all, like at all, at all anymore. Um, but you know, chocolate is always on my mind. So there's always going to be work there, but neutralizing food has been especially freeing for me. Maybe this is bread for you. Maybe it's cheese. Maybe it's pizza. I mean, there's so many things. The list could be long. Potato chips. It doesn't have to be just sweet things like me. But try to figure out what is on your list that you have anxiety towards, a fear of, or a complete restriction of. And how can you, in time, learn to have it around you and to accept that it's always going to be there and it can be a part of your life in a very healthy way. Now I want to share Elizabeth talking about a particular client and her own growth in this and, and where she got in the end. I just think it's really good to have some more examples, which again, that book has so many, which I think is why so many people were empowered by it and why uh, I related so much to it personally. But here's what Elizabeth says about a particular client that she had. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I had a client and she, she came to my intuitive eating classes and she, she probably, her, her biggest thing was just feeling she's, she'd been on many different diets, which is, is common with people that struggle with food. Um, you tend to, to want to go toward those quick fixes or those diets. And so she didn't really know how to eat for her body. She was a busy working mom. She was um, always on the go and she just didn't really know what to do. And she felt like she couldn't say no to things. She just had that fear around food, I guess, a general fear around food. And so we worked together to, first of all, learn about her hunger and fullness cues. So that's a big thing that we don't always listen to. And so she had to start listening to, okay, what is my body telling me today? Um, and then kind of fast forward a few months and it was kind of cute because it was Thanksgiving, I believe. And she <laughs> emailed me and said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I have a plan for Thanksgiving. And she had about seven bullet points or, or I guess in the email it was bullet points, but seven ideas that she could kind of feel safe around the food at Thanksgiving. And one of them was, okay, I'm going to make sure that I eat a little bit of snack before I go because dinner isn't going to be served until later. And I know that I tend to get hungry at this time. So she knew that she, her hungerful cues were there um, but she didn't want to go to the party or to the event starving because then we tend to overeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then she just did a, a, another list of things like, um, she took a healthy food with her that she knew she liked so she could go back on that. She, she made a mental picture of the spread of food and told herself certain things that she wanted to make sure that she got and had. And then she told herself, you know, I'm going to stop when I'm at 80% full. And that's a general guideline we like to follow is, can you listen to your body and stop when you're at about 80% full and then go from there and say, am I satisfied? Am I full? And so the cool thing about this was that Throughout the course of these many months, um, even over a year, she learned to listen to her body, and then she was able to create a little bit of a plan ahead of time so that when she had those events and those times, she knew what to do in that moment. 
in that interview with Brianna uh, that I've linked to in my show notes, she asked me about how to teach it with our kids as well. I think Elizabeth had some really good tips on that, how to teach intuitive eating to your children, to how to teach a healthy relationship with food. So let's see what she said. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing, the, the cool thing about intuitive eating is that we were all born intuitive eaters. Hmm. And so if we can teach our children and our families that it's okay to listen to your body and teach them how to like, you know, um, basically like listen to their hunger and fullness and, and allow them to eat. I know this is kind of a tricky one, but allow them to eat um what they want and when they want and everything, um, then it kind of can teach them how to eat intuitively. Absolutely. I mean, I remember that in a nutrition class I took as well. It was so revolutionary to me to read about these studies that what helps children the most become healthy eaters is to offer them their food. And, and that includes, you know, maybe a treat with it, a little treat and let them guide themselves on how much they eat and not that they can't try a variety of food or you still have, you know, little things like we try everything on our plate, but you don't have to like it or whatever it is that your family does. But removing that harsh side, like those harsh rules, like you can't have this unless you eat that. They, they've proven actually helps uh, children with obesity. And has that been in your experience true? Oh yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, think about when you tell yourself those things, right? You can't have this until you have this or rewarding yourself all the time. If you eat your vegetables, you get a treat and then you have that association. And it's the same way with kids. They have that association with, if you force them to do something, um, then they create that association and and kids are hard because, you know, they probably want the cookies more than the veggies right now, but there's definitely gentle ways to teach them and and share with them, you know, this, this will make your body feel really good. And instead of saying like, eat your veggies because they're good for you, talk to them about it. Also teach them how to prepare it, have them help you in the kitchen so that they get that association with food. Oh, it's fun to, to make food and to cook food. And they might be more likely to try different things if they are more involved. I want to thank Elizabeth for taking the time to be on the show. I asked her at the end of the interview where people can find her for extra help or some resources that she might have. So they can just go right to my website. It's elizabethdahl.com. And I have a lot of resources on there, but probably the one most pertinent to this um, moment is I have a, a free make peace with food course. So it's a little mini intuitive eating course that helps you recognize your emotions and how to deal with them in a non-food way because emotional eating is a huge component of the overall intuitive eating Um, and so that would probably be the best kind of best place to start um, for someone that's looking to to heal their relationship with food. I would definitely recommend following Elizabeth as well. Definitely check her out on Instagram and uh, and her website too. She's She does fitness things as well. Let's turn now to flexible dieting, counting your macros. This is huge on the internet and um, I'm sure amongst your friends and family. 
It's something that I have admittedly had very mixed feelings about. I am very curious about it. I like to know about the research that is out there. I'm intrigued by the process, and I can see how it can be really helpful for many people in regaining a healthy and moderate relationship with food. But I also think it can be something that is very dangerous, that it can turn into an obsession. It can turn it into a way to think about food and uh, all of those different little numbers obsessively. And so for me personally, it's been something that I've chosen to stay away from just knowing myself, knowing my weaknesses and where I'm at in that process that um, I can still see it being something that I could do in the future as I continue to build a healthy relationship with how I view things um, as a way to get uh, more information on what food helps me feel good and how it impacts my health better as well as my fitness. Um, So I do see it as something that can still be a part of my life in the future. Um, but I also think that when it happens, if it happens for me and if it happens for you, it needs to be done right. Amber and I talk about all of this. Amber Brzezicki is, again, an amazing person to follow about fitness on Instagram and Facebook and her website, bicepsafterbabies.com. She is so awesome in how she views this. If there's a way to do this, and I think there is. Amber knows how. I love her viewpoint on flexible dieting macros. I love how she views it. I love what her end goals are for it. She talks a lot about what it is, how people can use it to move towards moderation and acceptance of all food groups, how can it can help rebuild a positive relationship with food for people who have lived so long in the black and white or people who just don't have any real education on what's healthy and what's not. And she has an incredible view on how to neutralize food as well and how to take the morality out of it. Also, she talks about the pitfalls that can come up as someone uses this um, and how to get away from doing it in this black and white obsessive way. I love Amber. She is truly one of those people who inspires me, teaches me, empowers me, and also makes me accept myself as I am, which is such a tricky balance when you are a fitness expert and a a macro expert as well. Since this is such a popular thing, I, I thought it would be very important to have this on the show today and from someone who I believe does this right and for the right reasons. I'm going to do something I haven't done before with these special episodes. I'm going to just share the interview that we did exactly as it is, not uh, divided up into segments. That way you can see the questions that I asked her leading up to the answers and just see the full picture of how she views this, how she practices it, what she hopes you get from it. And you know what? What I love most is she says her goal is to work herself out of the job and she does it for herself as well. She practices what she preaches. So now let's move to my interview with Amber. So tell people who are confused what flexible dieting is or counting macros, as it's also known. Yeah, so it's known by a couple of different names. So you'll also hear it called IIFYM, which stands for If It Fits Your Macros. Oh, okay. Or people will say counting macros or flexible dieting, and that's all the same thing. It basically means that you are counting up the amount of carbs, fat, and protein that you eat and you know, working within a structure of having goals for each of those three 
um, instead of just counting straight calories, you're actually looking at where those calories come from. Okay, so the the end goal of doing this is what? So the end goal would be learning moderation. Um, and one thing that I think that using flexible dieting does for you is it teaches you how to have moderation with food. I feel like so many people these days are on one extreme or the other. Mm-hmm. Either they are, you know, clean eating and they don't eat anything unprocessed or, or anything processed and, you know, cookies are bad and ice cream is bad and you can't ever have that in a diet that you want to be, if you want to be healthy. Then, the, you know, opposite obviously is like the standard American diet, which we mm-hmm. like eat all processed food and, you know, we just eat too much fat and too much sugar and too much of everything. And, you know, in between those two extremes is a happy medium. Yeah. And that's where everybody logically knows that they should really be. Um, but sometimes people have a hard time getting there. So I feel like flexible dieting is a stepping stone to get you to that moderation mm-hmm. and to teach you how to be moderate with your intake. Having most of your calories come from whole unprocessed foods that's going to keep you healthy and give you the vitamins and the nutrients and the fiber that you need, but not being so constrained that you can't have a slice of your kid's birthday cake or you feel like you can never ever have a cookie or Mm -hmm. popcorn at the movie theater. Um, There's a balance between those and um, flexible dieting I found has really helped a lot of my clients and me find that moderation. Well, and I imagine you have a lot of experience of working with people who have for years eliminated um, eliminated whole food groups or different right. types of desserts or whatever it is. So how do you help someone relearn a positive relationship with food and bring them back into this moderation um, as the goal? Right. Well, I think, you know, people have this idea that they... Like, they want to eventually be able to have another cookie, like, at some time in their life. But a lot of people just have this fear that if they do, they're not going to meet their goals or they're not going to, you know, have the body that they want to have or they're not going to X, Y, and Z. And so when I start working with clients and you give them these parameters and you say, okay, you have to eat protein, this much fat, and this much carbs, um, and then they are given the freedom within those boundaries to be able to fill those in a way that they want to fill them um, and then they are able to fit in a cookie or they're able to fit in a bowl of ice cream at night and then weeks down the road they still see that hey I'm still losing fat or hey I'm still like just as strong as ever in the gym and as they see that you know relationship of hey I can eat a cookie and I can still hit my goals they become believers and they become they understand that like that moderation isn't bad in fact it's almost better Mm-hmm. Um, you're not so obsessed with food. You're not so obsessed with going out to eat and feeling like you can't, you can't go out to eat with your friends because, oh my gosh, what if like everybody wants to go out for ice cream afterwards? Um, and I think that that fear of food is a, is a very real thing for a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of people and yeah. learning how to fit in a cookie without having it turn into 20 mm-hmm. is a really big step for many, many people. You know, that's one thing that came to mind when you said, you know, some people fear different, you know, these food groups. For me, I think um, initially, you know, starting this process of learning to have moderation in your diet again is this fear of losing control. Um, That's what I definitely had attached to those food groups that had been um, on the bad list, you know. So can you think of a client who, who stands out to you of someone who had a pretty bad relationship with food and um, 
through through this uh, system and through coaching uh, got to a positive place with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can think of quite a few different mm-hmm. clients. And I, I really feel like I have – so the, the clients that I feel like – there's two types of clients that I feel like this works really, really well for. Um, you know, on one hand, it's those clients who have always been dieting and they've always been on this, like, rat race of, like, they're always cutting calories and they're always trying to, like – get a little bit leaner and, you know, they're never, never quite reached that, that mm-hmm. level of leanness that they feel like they should be able to get with how few calories they're eating. But in reality, what ends up happening is they're restricting, restricting, restricting so that when they eat one cookie, they just feel guilt and they like yeah. throw up their hands and they eat 20 cookies. And that cycle of that restrict and binge cycle mm-hmm. ends up being really harmful in the long run. And so I have those clients and I, and Flexibline really helps them to, allow them to give themselves permission to eat a cookie because it fits into their macros and not feel like they have to then eat 20 mm-hmm. cookies because they've messed up. So that's like one type of client that I would say that, you know, I find a lot of success with. And then the yeah. other type of client is the type of client who just like doesn't really know much about nutrition at all. Like doesn't yeah. really know about what macros are or, or like how you would even figure that out. Um, and doesn't really know how to put together a balanced, healthy diet. Um, so a lot of times those clients are, are a lot more overweight and have a, more weight to lose. But the learning process that I, you know, that we take them through as they're learning about what their food is made of um, in the long run, they ended up coming out of it with a better understanding of the food that they're eating mm-hmm. and what they need to fuel their body. Yeah. So both of those clients come from different backgrounds and come from different, you know, have different needs. Yeah. But again, taking them through that flexible diet and that education experience, they come out the other side with a lot more knowledge and mm-hmm. a lot more comfort with feeling comfortable with food and, and using food for what it's supposed to be used for, which is to fuel our bodies. Oh, that's so awesome. And what I love about that too, is I think it neutralizes food. And, you know, when they, when they do know that you can always have, this or that that was formerly on a no list it it's really freeing and it um makes it easier to eat those things without being so emotional about it yeah because it's a choice everything is a choice and it's a give and take and that's one of the things i love with county macros is that's a take you know Mm -hmm. i can choose to have this bowl of ice cream knowing that if i do that i'm going to probably have to have you know fewer carbs at dinner and I can then tweak my dinner so that it can fit. But it's a give and take. I know that, you know, if mm-hmm. I want to have something that's higher in carbs and fat, I'm going to have to balance it out with something a little higher in protein later on in the day. And it is. It's finding that balance and teaching people that balance. Um, that then eventually leads to hopefully them not having to track and weigh everything. Mm-hmm. That is the ultimate goal is to transition back into a more intuitive style of eating. Yeah. So one of the reasons I love learning about this from you um, is that I like how you look at things neutrally too. Like when you're making those choices, it's not you coming from a place where you are guilt driven or judging yourself or any of that. It's just, it's almost like scientific for you. It's like, right. you know, um, you've taken your emotion out of it. I mean, you are enjoying your food. That's not what I mean. Like that is a part of your life. That's, that's part of all of this, but I like that you look at it as, okay, so this is what I want. So this is what I'm going to do instead of, oh man, I made this mistake. Now I have to do that. Um, 
maybe there's a difference there that you can kind of preach about um, how people can get to that balanced place as they're trying to learn how to, to incorporate that. Yeah, I like to say that, that food has no moral value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's food. It has, it's made up of macronutrients and micronutrients, and we need a certain amount of each in our day, but it's not, like, it's not a moral value. It's not, and mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't place a moral value on you. If you want to have a cookie right now, that is not a you are bad, you are, you know, you're not going to reach your goals type thing. And I think when you take that, like you said, you take that emotion out of food and you use it for what it's supposed to be used for, which is to fuel, fuel your body and give you energy, um, it, it changes the relationship that someone builds with food. Yeah. We, ha- we come in with a lot of problems in our society because we use food as something that it's not meant to be used for. We use it to deal with stress or we use it to deal with any emotion that we're feeling, happiness, sadness, loneliness. Um, you know, and we, we try to use it as, you know, medicine for ourselves to deal with these emotions when that's not really what it's meant to be used for. It's meant to be used to give us energy so we can do the things during our day that mm-hmm. we want to do. And I think by taking that emotion out of it, you are able to look at it a little bit more scientific and be like, you know what, I can have that right now. I just have to balance it out with something different a little bit later, and I'm willing to do that. And um, I think, like, just like you said, removing that emotion is really, really powerful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So if someone is considering um, getting a coach and trying out this, the counting macros approach to eventually learning intuitive eating, what are some pot- potential pitfalls that uh, people need to watch out for? Maybe uh, people who might replace one obsession with another, or maybe um, what to look for in a coach as well. You know, what pitfalls could come up for them? Yeah, so, you know, it's, you don't have to have a coach to be able to do flexible dieting, and it's something that you can absolutely 100% do on your own. Now, you know, can a coach be helpful? Obviously, like I think coaching can be very helpful, and it can be helpful with accountability, it can be helpful with just tips and tricks or education and that kind of thing. Um, but you definitely don't have to have a coach. So, that's good to know. you know, that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you do choose to have a coach, because I think sometimes a coach can help you fast track your success and you don't necessarily have as many stumbles along the way, maybe if someone's guiding you. Um, I, you know, one of the most important things I think you should look for in a coach is someone who wants to teach you. Um, like you said, my goal is to work myself out of a job. Like I don't want to be coaching you for 50 years. (laughs) I want to give you the tools and and that you need in order to be successful down the road. And so I think someone who's willing to teach you is one of the most important things. If someone's not, if someone feels like it's like their trade secret to like not tell you how they got their macros, Mm. I would run, you know, far, far away from that. Yeah. Um, you, want, you want someone who wants to educate you and someone who's going to answer your questions um, in a timely manner. Mm. I can't even tell you the amount of people that I have emailed me who are like, I had a coach and I would email him or her and it would take them three days to get back to me. And, you know, I was left always wondering, like, what I was supposed to be doing for those three days. And, um, you know... That's just, in my book, that's just not okay. Like, a coach should be very responsive. You're hiring them for, for their knowledge and their, and their accountability. They should be very responsive to you. So those are the two things that I think as you look, you know, for a coach to be, to be well aware of. Um, and someone with a 
knowledgeable background, you know. Mm-hmm. There's no um, governing body for macro coaches right now. Yeah. And so anybody can kind of hang up their shingle and be like, hey, I, I can coach you on macros, you know, doing your due diligence to make sure they have, you know, what kind of certifications do they have? What kind of background do they have? Do they understand how to read scientific li- literature? And that kind of stuff is important. Um, and then you touched on a really good subject um, about replacing one obsession with another. And I think that I often, like, if I see that in somebody, it tends to be in the clean eaters who, you know, for so long cut out, you know, entire food groups. And then they learn about macros, and it's revolutionary for them. Yeah. But then they kind of replace that that obsession now with, like, having to track every single thing that they go in mm-hmm. into their body and you know they can't go out to dinner because oh my gosh they're not going to be exact on their macros if they go out to dinner because like yeah. you can't ever really be exact when you're not preparing yourself mm-hmm. and anyway so i i do see like people can go the other way and they can swing too far the other way sure. and which is again why why like my goal is ultimately to get you to intuitive eating and it's not to have you be tracking and using my fitness pal for the rest of your life or to feel like you have to pull out the kitchen scale every time you want to get some ice cream. Eventually, like those are weighing your food, tracking your food, logging your food is supposed to teach you portion sizes. It's supposed to teach you what's in your food so that you can then eventually do it on your own mm-hmm. and have that moderation. That's so great. You know, and I think it's just that people know who they are and what their tendencies are. And, um, you know, if they, if they know that they have a tendency to become really obsessed about something or really, um, hard on themselves, um, maybe it's a good thing to dip their toes in, but having those, um, parameters in place for them that they're not going to measure every single little thing or when they go out, not worry about it, you know, just stuff like that, that could probably help as well. Absolutely. There's definitely like gradations, right. Of like how far you can take it and, Mm -hmm. and being looser on your tracking or like you said, maybe not, you know, maybe tracking, but not weighing things, you you know, you kind of have to find what works for you. And I'm all about finding that balance that works for you, whether it's on vacation or it's in your real life, like you have to find that balance that you're okay with. And you, and you run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may look different for you than it lo- does for me and for somebody else. But, you know, that's, that's what we want to find is the balance that you're comfortable with. Exactly. And so for you, I mean, I already know the answer to this, but because uh, you share it really openly. But for those who, who don't follow you yet, um, is this yeah. the way you eat 24-7 or, or plan on eating for years to come? No. <laughs> So I, I I do talk about this on Instagram. Yeah, you do. Um, you know, I've I've tracked and I set goals and I've used counting macros to hit them. Um, but then I also go through periods when like I just eat intuitively. I'm kind of at that point right now where yeah. I've tracked enough, I've weighed enough, and my goals are such that I don't need, I don't track. I actually haven't tracked for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and every once in a while, like. I'll do a day where I'll track and just kind of make sure I'm still like on point with where I want to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't, I don't weigh all my food and I don't log every single thing because I have that background that I've learned what my body needs mm-hmm. about how much it needs. And I'm able to do that more intuitively. So, you know, but I, I love that I have it in my back pocket, right? If I mm-hmm. have a desire to make a big change or 
you know, I want to, I don't know, Reach if there's another goal, goal that I want to hit out there that I can yeah. pull it out of my back pocket and I can use it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a but, tool. But yeah, intuitive eating is, is definitely the end goal. And, and people who tell me that they've counted macros for like five years straight, I just look at them and think, "Wow! <laughs> oh, you're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. <laughs> oh, Amber, that is so cool to know that it's been a, it's been a little while for you too, because that, that means you're practicing what you preach, you know, and you're showing people that this is a tool. Um, it's not a diet because I think if people like stopped counting macros, if they're perceiving it as a diet, they're going to think yeah. that if I stop counting macros, they're falling off the wagon and then not go into intuitive right. eating, but more like what people do when they fall off the wagon with the diet. Well, so they fall like off the wagon that. and they swing so far the other way. And that's yes. like, yeah, I, you know, I'm one reason I, I've never been a huge dieter. I've never been um, like scared of food or any of those things. And mm-hmm. one reason I like attached on to, to flexible dieting so much is because it's not a diet it's yes. because it is sustainable mm-hmm. and it is a way of life. And yes, the tracking and the weighing seems kind of laborious. And some people are like, well, I could never do this forever. But those are, it teaches you the way that you could eat forever. Yeah. And that's my ultimate goal is to get you exactly. eating in moderation, which is a way you can sustain for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I, I, I love that it's a tool for you and, I'm just so impressed and I love following you and learning from you. And I definitely hope other people can uh, be directed to you as well. If they want to get in touch with you, where should they go? Uh, Well, Instagram is where I'm most active as far as social media. So my handle there is at Mm biceps.after.babies. And then you can always email me, um, which is biceps.after.babies at gmail.com. And then my website should be launching here soon, which oh, is exciting. going to be bice- yeah, com. So that should be, should be up soon. Yay. And so what will you be offering on your website? So I'll have information about me and my um, Instagram and my like social media. And then as well, as if, you, if you're wanting to sign up for coaching or get custom macros for me um, or buy my ebook, those will all be up on my website as well to buy. That's great. Okay. Well, we look forward to that. Thank you so much, Amber. I appreciate it. Thanks, Monica. Can you see now why I had to have her on for this particular topic? Amber Brzezicki, thank you so much for taking so much time to do that for me. You are a very busy woman, but I feel like the the world needed to hear from you more on this and in greater depth. If you want to be in touch with her, definitely check her out. She mentioned her new website is actually up now, bicepsafterbabies.com and Instagram, biceps period after period babies and Facebook, biceps after babies as well. So that's it for today, you guys. That's the that's the end of this uh, food series that I have for you. And I hope that it was something that was really helpful and transformative for you. I hope that you learned what I have been learning the last 11 years and just know it. you can do it and it's worth it. It's worth that freedom. It's worth the it's worth the work and you will get there. I promise you will. Um, This was just a special bonus episode this month. I typically, uh, in the most recent past, had been doing one special episode a month on the last Wednesday, but I have so many good interviews to share that uh, they were getting spread out uh, too far in advance, so I wanted to start 
still doing those interviews every single week, but throwing in a special episode, usually once a month um, on a Friday. And so this was our first one with that, but I'll have more in store for you with that later. So next Wednesday will still be our regular episode that I already introduced you to with uh, Jansen Bradshaw, and I'm really excited to share that one. She really is awesome about the the, uh, trickle-down effect that often comes when you try something new and different and how it can spread out to so many new opportunities uh, that challenge you, that provide opportunities for growth and can lead to really incredible things that like she's been a part of. Just a few remaining items for you. Again, my goal for reviews is 70 by November. We are well on our way. If you can leave a review for me on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. You can do it from your desktop or from your phone. You have to do it by searching for About Progress and then from there leaving a review. Even if you're already subscribed, that's the way you do it. It's been thrilling to see those those reviews trickle in. And, and if you keep coming back here every Wednesday and you haven't subscribed yet, please go ahead and do that. So that way it just downloads automatically to your feed. You don't have to worry about it. I want to thank those people who already have and for those people who continue to share this podcast personally, one-on-one with friends and family and on the internet as well. I see some of those pop up where you're sharing different episodes that were particularly meaningful for you. And wow, that just really makes my day to see that. As I've mentioned the last few episodes, we are starting to consider sponsorship. If that is something that interests you, if you have someone um, that you know who you think would be interested in doing it, maybe a small business, have them get in touch with me at packerprogress at gmail.com. I also accept nominations um, at that address for people that you think should be on the show. And you can always direct message me on Instagram and Facebook at About Progress. Last final plug, I have uh, my 50th episode coming up. It's going to be my special episode next month, and it's actually going to be fairly soon. Um, and it's going to be a Q&A, ask me anything episode. Ask me about my likes, my dislikes, my pet peeves. Ask me about my family dynamics. Ask me about uh, the podcast, what I like to read. It can be anything. As long as you'd ask me the question to my face, ask it for this episode. You can direct message me on Instagram and Facebook your question, or you can email me at packerprogress at gmail.com. That is it for today, you guys. Thank you for joining me and for coming back every Wednesday and for those special bonus ones that are going to now come on occasional Friday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you soon. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. <music>